Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Monday, October 28, 2019, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, the longest-serving African-American in congressional history, Congressman John Conyers of Detroit has died, and we'll talk about his life and legacy. Donald Trump gets booed while attending the World Series at the Nationals Park. Maybe they were booing also how they blew it against my Astros. We'll discuss that later. But, he, of course, Donald Trump goes to Chicago and trashes the Windy City. And, of course, he sides with cops when it comes to consent decrees. I'll unpack it for you. Kirk Franklin is boycotting the Dove Awards, as well as the Trinity Broadcasting Network will tell you exactly why. Man, our friend, the actor Lamont Rucker, will be joining us right here. Plus, an artist who posted cutouts of brown paper dolls that appear to be hanging by their necks and feet from strings. Well, he's quit. We'll give the details. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got- 
the longest-serving African-American in history in Congress, Congressman John Conyers of Detroit, a founding member of the Congressional Black Caucus, and the person who first introduced the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, has died. A family spokeswoman said that Conyers died in his sleep at his Detroit home of natural causes. Conyers has a rich legacy that should be celebrated. He came to Washington, D.C. as a congressman in 1965 when there were only six black House members. That same year, he was a co-sponsor of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. He traveled to Selma and worked with Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And after King was assassinated, literally days after, it was Conyers who introduced a, uh, a bill to make the birthday of Dr. King a federal holiday and then fought for nearly 20 years to see it happen. He reintroduced the bill every session until 1983 when it was signed into law by President Ronald Reagan. Here's a tribute to John Conyers. Mr. Speaker, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to begin by thanking this distinguished committee led by the gentleman from Ohio, Mr. Sawyer, and my dear friend, Mrs. Morella, uh, for helping bring us to this point today. We're in the time of the development of our country. We're in the time of a perhaps more gentle administration where the creation and extension of this holiday commission in remembrance of the memory and works of Martin Luther King Jr. are more important than ever. I'm grateful to the Post Office and Civil Service Committee for moving this legislation forward as swiftly as they have. Uh, I was the person three days after the assassination of Dr. King that introduced the holiday legislation. We spent 15 years, but in a way, it was worth the wait because, first of all, the support in the House and the Senate for the passage of a holiday for Dr. King was an incredible and important historic statement, which I still treasure very much. And I think its value to the nation will grow in importance as time goes on. During that period of time, though, Many of my colleagues were waiting to see if the enthusiasm around the, the, the momentum for a holiday for Dr. King would subside, and instead it kept growing. And in, in a way, that had a lot to do with the decision of both bodies and the, the federal legislature to finally grant what I considered the highest award that, that this government can pass upon any of its citizens. To, to dedicate a birthday holiday in their memory. As we all know, only one such other person, the founder of this country, has so high an, an honor uh, accorded to him and to his memory. And so it is of critical importance that we create a commission that continues to promulgate uh, the, the history, the memory, and the work of Dr. King, particularly in this era and the time in which we live. I'm reminded, ladies and gentlemen, that high school seniors were not born at the time that Dr. King was taken from us. Many of them do not really have anything but uh, television memories and history book memories 
Uh, they do not remember the poignant and vivid issues of struggle and, and uh, movement that made us decide, along with most Americans, that this holiday celebration was worthy of this particular American. And so as we go on, as time moves on, the importance of this commission becomes more important, not less important. Thankfully, there were Americans who came in with startup money to get us moving. Uh, I am pleased that we're putting a half million dollars into uh, this project annually. I suggest to you it's a very, very tiny amount, but I think it does make a very strong and persuasive statement that we're going to continue the memory of Dr. King now that we have made his uh, memory a part of uh, the American history by recognizing him every year. So I'm, I'm pleased. I'm, as, I'm almost as happy as I was the day that the Senate added their blessing to the holiday bill itself. I was there and uh, uh, it is one of the, the most important things that I consider myself uh, having contributed to in the legislative process in my career. And so I'm humbled by all of you who have joined in the overwhelming support and I uh, urge the uh, speedy enactment of this measure. Thank you very much. Connors was one of 13 black reps to found the Congressional Black Caucus in 1971. President Richard Nixon refused to recognize the group, leading them to boycott the 1971 State of the Union Address. He was later discovered to be on Nixon's infamous enemies list. Joining me right now to discuss the legacy of John Conyers is Congressman Al Green of Texas. Congressman Al Green, glad to have you on the show. First and foremost, um, um, a lot of people don't realize that Rosa Parks was run out of Alabama. It was John yeah. Conyers who hired yeah. her when she moved yeah. to Detroit, who helped her find a place to live as well. Absolutely. And... Um he was uh, more than an employer. He was a person who extended the hand of friendship at a time of need. And as you indicated, she uh, received a job, but he also helped her to relocate uh, to Detroit. Uh, he was a great humanitarian, uh, the kind of person who was looking for someone to serve. He wanted to be of help and did an outstanding job in Congress. I remember when I met him, I was with Mickey Leland. Uh, Mickey and I traveled to Florida because there was some unrest there involving the Cuban community. And uh, when we arrived, uh, Mr. Conyers was there, and I've always referred to him as Mr. Conyers, uh, was there, and we met with him. And the three of us stayed in a, the same hotel room that evening uh, while we were waiting for some other things to develop. He was uh, just a kind and gentle person but he was a very thoughtful, sage-like person. He had institutional knowledge that was um, invaluable. Uh, he was a chairperson of the Judiciary Committee, as you well know, uh, from 2011 to 2017. Uh, and um, he, uh, he, he made a difference in the lives of, of people who were on that committee. And I, my hope is that he'll be remembered for his work here in Congress as well as for his humanitarian spirit that he had. 
I would add this before you might ask me another question. We don't want to forget H.R. 40, which was the bill that he introduced in 1989 to deal with the whole question of um, reparations for slavery. At that time, the 40 acres and the mule, which never came to fruition, but he never gave up on it. He persisted with it. And now uh, Jackson Lee from Texas, Sheila Jackson Lee, has uh, taken up the cause. Wonderful person, will be missed, icon, sage, just the kind of person you'd want to live next door to. He was forced to resign because of sexual uh, harassment allegations, and I think it is no, no, no shock when you look at how folks are using that to define his legacy. Uh, it is very interesting. Uh, I'm going to read in a moment statements, uh, a statement from President uh, Bill Clinton as well as Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Uh, there's been no statement from Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. There's been, I have yet to see a statement from President Barack Obama. Um, what do you make again of, in many, in many ways, the silence? I mean, this was the, a man who served 53 years in Congress, longest serving African American in history. Do you believe it is fair for folks who want to define Congressman Conyers' tenure based upon why he was forced to resign as opposed to what took place over those 53 years? Uh, let me also add that he was the dean of the House of Representatives uh, after the demise of Mr. Dingell, Mr. Conyers became the dean. And uh, I indicated uh, incorrectly that he served as chair from 2011 to 2017. He served as chair from 2007 to 2011. He was a ranking member at, on the other occasion. I think that we should not overlook his history and his service. Uh, I think that we should do things such as what we will do tonight that will be an opportunity for us to go to the floor and make our statements about Mr. Conyers. You said we. Uh, well, 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 who is we? The, the, CB, the, the CBC? The, the Congressional Black Caucus. Got I, it. I think we should do it. I think it's important for us to do this. I don't mean to in any way give the implication that other people should not, but it's important that we not forget who he was and, and cherish his memory. I do believe that it is appropriate for a statement to be um, developed by the House of Representatives by and through the Speaker of the House. I do think that uh, persons who hold leadership positions should acknowledge the good things that he has done uh, and, and not allow what appears to be one a circumstance to negate all of the other things that he did. I, I would not support that. And I, that's why I'm on this program, because I think that he is a person who lived a, a decent life and ought to be, which ought to be acknowledged. Congressman Al Green, we really appreciate it. Thank you so very much. And of course, I got to say this, uh, you, you, you're on the phone, you can't see me. I got my Houston Astros gear on. So, of course, uh, being from Houston, uh, uh, One more. I'm sure there are people in D.C. not happy to see you today uh, after they lost the last three games to our Astros, but they'll get over it. Well, one more, and we're done. But I must say this to you. This has been quite a comeback. People will have to acknowledge it's been one of the greatest comebacks ever to see the way the Astros have come out of Houston having lost two games and then to win uh, three games in a row. It's fantastic. Well, Houston folks, we don't give up. 
Congressman no. Al Green, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank Thanks you, a lot. Thank you. All right, now let's Bye go now. to another congressman, Congresswoman from Texas, Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson. She is going to join us uh, in a second. I want to do first, I want to read the statement, though, uh, from President Clinton and Secretary Clinton. This is their statement. Uh, I'm going to read it in the screen, so guys, pull it up. John Connors was a champion for justice and equality who spent more than half a century in Congress fighting for the people of Detroit and beyond. He made our country stronger in many ways including co-sponsoring the Voting Rights Act and taking a crucial role in the creation of Medicare and as a ranking member of the Judiciary Committee. During another period of extreme division, he rose above the fray time and again to defend the facts, the law, and the Constitution. He had great gifts of intelligence, knowledge, and determination and made the most of them. Hillary and I send our thoughts and prayers to his family. Uh, again, we're going to have Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson in just one second. I want to introduce our uh, panel right now, Dr. Avis Jones-DeWeaver, political analyst, Dr. Julian Malvo, economist, president, emerita, Bennett College, Robert Patillo, civil rights attorney. Uh, for all of you, Avis, I'll start with you. Again, in normal circumstances, a member of Congress serves this long, yeah. 53 years, dies at the age of 90, glowing tributes yes. from members of Congress and former members. Yes. Mm -hmm. That has not been the case with Congressman John Conyers. Absolutely. Completely disrespectful. There is just no excuse for it. Period. Um, as you mentioned, Speaker Pelosi definitely should be putting out a statement. Yes. Um, former President Obama should be putting out a statement. Um, and I'm glad that the Congressional Black Caucus is act will actually be, in essence, memorializing him on the floor. Uh, but the fact that his colleagues in Congress, other colleagues in Congress, and that um, President Obama has chosen to be absent from recognizing his decades of service to this nation, it's really inexcusable. I, I, I just, I have no excuse that I can even think of that would justify this lack of recognition. Uh, Robert, I want to go to you, and while I'm doing so, I'm going to pull up the CBC statement that they actually sent out earlier. Go ahead. Well, I think it's also important to kind of contrast the reaction to, uh, to Conyers to Katie Hill, where you've mm -hmm. had Democrats coming out and breaking their neck to support her, to say that she did nothing wrong in, uh, in her interactions with her staff and interns and her thruple. But meanwhile, we can't get the leadership of the Democratic Party to stand up on behalf of John Conyers for activities which are in no way, shape, or form as horrific as what Ms. Hill was accused of. And if you actually we look at both of those, first of all, mm -hmm. he was accused of sexually harassing um, uh, folks who worked in his office. Mm -hmm. She had sex with a bunch of them. of actually having a relationship with a mm -hmm. campaign staffer, and according mm -hmm. to her estranged husband, that affair continued while in uh, uh, in Congress, and they've they've uh, launched an ethics inquiry mm -hmm. into her as well. But go ahead. ahead. And, and and the the fact that there are pictures, proof of what she did, and just accusations against Conyers, but yet we, uh, he's been deemed radioactive for some reason by the Democratic leadership, uh, shows just the level of abandonment that happens often in the party. One difference between Democrats and Republicans, uh, Republicans stand by their people through and through till the end of days. They don't care how many things... The junk, they don't I guess care. that's why y'all are still back they, in they, Mr. Look, 45. They don't care what Trump does. Trump can that's get accused true. by 50 people and nobody cares. John Conyers gets one accusation, they run him out of Congress after 50 years. I think the main thing that people can do to honor the memory of John Conyers is pass H.R. 40. 
-hmm. Well, I fully agree with that. I mean, I, I'm a member of NARC, the National African American Reparations Commission, and John Conyers was our boy, our buddy. I mean, he had our back. We got the first hearings, um, not the hearings, first uh, CBC legislative forums because Congressman Conyers insisted that we were going to have that. He participated, although he was the congressman and the leader. I mean, he'd come to a meeting and sit down with everybody else. He showed up. He was just at NCOBRA, National um, Blacks for Reparations, in COBRA. But anyway, he was just there in Detroit um, a few months ago in July. So the H.R. 40, he, he basically, just like the King holiday, where he had that for 15 years, with H.R. 40 from 1989 until now. And he could not get the whole CBC to co-sign onto H.R. 40. But now Sheila Jackson Lee has it. We've got the little publicity, and we're hoping that this will move on. But he really was a stalwart. And I'll say the last time that uh, we met, that NARC met, we're in New Orleans, and it was just as he was resigning. And the sisters on the commission, myself, uh, and Kichi Taifa, Joanne Watson, former Congress councilwoman from Detroit, we cut a video, which I was been looking for all day, but we cut a video saying, look, we have his back. We do not believe in the double and triple standard. We want to know why people are not looking at some of the things that have happened to black women in terms of rape and incest and all of that. Um, so, but we, we've put out a statement, we circulated widely to say, we have this man's back. And I still stand with his back. Now, whatever he did at the end of his life, one might also, well, I'm not going to go there, but raise questions about whether or not he was, quote, in his right mind. But, because um, some of the things just seem to be unbelievable. And, you know, people get the ad attitude of piling on once there's one accusation. Everybody else, oh, yeah, that happened to me, too. Not really. One of the women who accused him was actually using his stationery to try to get some probation for her husband. Just saying. Um, but in any case, Roland, we, we at, in NARCA, the, we, the reparations movement, recognized his brother as a leader and as somebody who went out on a limb, even when he didn't have a lot of back. I mean, I think it's tragic that the whole CBC, from 1989 until, uh, until now, did not sign on for H.R. 40, which is not cutting checks for people. It's just saying, can we study this and can we suggest a remedy? Um, I want to read the actual statement of the CBC. First of all, we had a couple of CBC members uh, who were supposed to join us. They had to go to the floor to vote. Uh, and so we're going to be paying tribute to Congressman Conyers between now and his funeral. So we will certainly be having more CBC members on. Uh, here's a statement the CBC issued. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus mourns the loss of one of its founding members, um, the longest serving African-American in Congress and the former dean of the House. Congressman John Conyers, a son of Detroit uh, and a champion of civil rights. Uh, Mr. Conyers lived a life dedicated to service, serving the community in which he was raised. He leaves a legacy of more than five decades of systematic change that continues to transform our country for the better to this day. Congressman Conyers was a veteran and a soldier in the civil rights movement. After serving in the Michigan National Guard and the United States Army, he turned his efforts to voting rights and participated in the 1963 voter registration effort in Selma, Alabama. He was first elected to the House of Representatives in 1964 with the endorsement of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and immediately tapped Rosa Parks to serve by his side. Congressman Conyers quickly became a trailblazer for liberal issues, issues that eventually became mainstream. Just four days after the assassination of Dr. King, Congressman Conyers introduced a bill to create a federal holiday in his honor and reintroduced the bill every year for 15 years until it was signed into law. Mr. Conyers continued his pursuit of voting rights in Congress as a lead co-sponsor of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Mr. Conyers was an ardent opponent of the death penalty and fought for police brutality oversight. Now a major issue in the Democratic presidential debates, Mr. Conyers was the first to introduce 
the Expanded and Improved Medicare for All Act, legislation to establish a government-sponsored single-payer health care option to control costs. Mr. Conyers also championed the issues of reparations by introducing a bill to establish a commission to study the issue of slavery and race relations in America, which he fought for consideration every year. His fight for justice extended to international issues as well. Mr. Conyers was an early leader in the anti-Vietnam War movement, in addition to the anti-Iraq War movement. He was also a vocal opponent of South Africa's apartheid politics. Congressman Conyers joined Congressman Ron Dellums and other CBC members in confronting President Nixon about imposing sanctions against South Africa. When it became clear he would not act, Congressman Conyers joined Congressman Dellums in introducing legislation to that end and was even arrested at a protest in front of the South African embassy. Congressman Conyers chaired the Government Oversight and Reform Committee, formerly the Government Operations Committee, and was the first African-American to chair the Influential Judiciary Committee. For the Congressional Black Caucus, Congressman Conyers was more than a founding member. He was a guiding light. He will continue his vision by serving as the conscience of the Congress in pursuit of justice for all Americans. We extend our deepest condolences to his wife, sons, family, and friends. So when you, when you read all of that, mm -hmm. that is not somebody who was just sort of there. Mm -hmm. Right. No, it's disgraceful that Nancy Pelosi, uh, Speaker of the House, uh, whose back he had, I don't know how many times. It's disgraceful that she hasn't had anything to say. We don't expect 45 to say anything. We really don't. So there's that. But there's so many others. I would expect the Michigan delegation, Roland, to have come out with a statement. Uh, right. You know? The, the whole Michigan delegation. Yes, exactly. And, and, and well, we haven't seen that. Uh, I've talked to people in Detroit today. Uh, they are not happy with what they see. Mm -hmm. they, they are, in fact, folks in Detroit are very angry. African Americans say that this is an affront to his legacy. It's an affront to African Americans. Uh, Wendell Anthony, <laughs> of course, who is the president of the Detroit branch of the NAACP, uh, put out uh, a lengthy statement as well. Some of the stuff uh, that we covered, uh, but I want to go ahead uh, and say this here. This is what he said. John Conyers was more than just a congressman. He was the go-to guy. He served as the first African-American chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Anyone who wanted to move issues dealing with labor, human rights, South African apartheid, civil rights, women's rights, even before the Me Too movement, federal judges on the bench or presidents in a pinch would see John Conyers. He was the only politician ever to be endorsed by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He stood in the middle of the street calling for calm during Detroit's most devastating rebellion in 1967. He stood in the gap against President Richard Nixon, even making the famous enemies list. He was not afraid of the Strom Thurmonds and the Jesse Helms. He made us all proud as he stood with Dr. King in bringing forth the 1965 Voting Rights Act. John Conyers never lost his commitment to justice and equality. He later says, whether it was fighting for Haitian refugees, fair housing, reform in our criminal justice system, or national health care, John Conyers was always out front. He had a tirelessness that often put younger and yet-to-be-seasoned politicians to shame. He was not afraid to stand alone in defense or in advocacy of policy and programs that uplifted the lives of, of people. His office in Washington was a repository for assemblies of common people, strategy sessions for political allies, a comfort zone for those who needed to refuel their political tanks, and a rhythmic getaway to those jazz connoisseurs who just wanted to chill. He loved his family and wanted best for one of his children, perhaps in reviewing his life from Northwestern High School to the halls of Congress. It lies rooted in the background of his own family. His father, John Conyers Sr., was a labor leader. 
Conyers said, I was drawn to the struggle because my dad was a labor organizer for the UAW. His father was an organizer when it was illegal to be in the unions. This obviously inspired Conyers to stand up and fight for the rights of others. It is easy to see how the mother of the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks, found a home in his Detroit office. John Conyers did not leave here trying to make a difference. What I think is so amazing about his history is that he was a, a front runner. He was a forerunner mm -hmm. of many of the specific policy issues that right now are at the center of what Democrats are talking about and they're mm -hmm. all trying to outdo, outdo each other on and maybe even in some respects takes credit for inventing things and coming <laughs> up with ideas. <laughs> Let me just say that. You know, but if you think about his history as being the first one to push forward towards Medicare for All, as being the first one to put legislation um, that would sort of start this movement towards reparations, uh, as, as was mentioned, the, the King holiday, as, as was mentioned, fighting against police brutality prior to Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. So all of these issues that we are still struggling with today, to think that he did this at a time where he stood alone and he still pushed for it, over and over and over again. And that's why I say the fact that he is not being treated with the respect that he should at this moment is particularly disappointing and angering. And, and I think one, one thing we have to remember, uh, something that was kind of circulating online uh, during uh, the last set of protests and social ju justice movements were these T-shirts from the young millennials saying, we are not our ancestors. Mm -hmm. And that, that got mm -hmm. on my nerves. Because I think a lot of these people don't understand what their ancestors went through. Yes. That now we act like we can't fight against the Tea Party or we can't fight against people in MAGA hats. When John Conyers got into office, there were active Klansmen in the yes. Congress, active mm -hmm. Klansmen in the mm -hmm. Senate. Not hide behind closed door Klansmen, but I am a member of the Ku Klux Klan and also United States Senator, secondly. And he still was pushing for the issues that we're still fighting for today. And so to not give him the credit that he deserves, to not put his name up in the rafters to not allow him to uh, to have the same honors of other people who've achieved nowhere near what he's achieved I think that is part of the uh, part of the issue and part of the reason why it's so important to honor our, our elders you know Roland um, HR 57 was the legislation that he introduced uh, to make jazz a national uh, national treasure he was you know he played um, an instrument but he loved some jazz and you know because of him there was always a jazz uh, forum at the CBC. But that, that's something, I mean, so many folks get so serious and they're not looking at the cultural aspects of what we do. And so even though he was a very serious man, was very focused, he also knew how to basically smell the roses, enjoy the jazz. There was a, a club in D.C., it's closed now, called H.R. 57, which was basically <laughs> named after the legislation. Uh, and they, they, they have not been able to stay open. But it was a really great club. And I always think about him in the context of jazz because sometimes when you heard him speak, mm -hmm. you would hear the jazz in his voice. You see him moving you know, from one subject to the other, almost like sampling. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I cherish those memories and cherish the fact that we had the opportunity, many of us, not, not to know him as a legislator, but really as, as a buddy, as a friend, as someone you could break some bread with. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. Uh, I always uh, enjoyed uh, messing with Congressman John Conyers. He was a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. Uh, sometimes oh, he would Lord. have his red jacket <laughs> on. And trust me, every, every time we would see each other, it was always an Alpha Kappa battle, but uh, I, it was always great to see him. Uh, I'll be perusing my archives for some photos, be sharing with them later with this week. Uh, and so, again, it was always great to see him. Uh, that uh, I, I gave a speech, actually gave a several speeches in Detroit, and he would always make it a point uh, to show up 
uh, at those speeches. And so uh, he was uh, indeed someone uh, who cared about the issues, uh, was very, very uh, quick uh, to also praise the next generation and to encourage them as well. And so uh, we, of course, certainly appreciate all that, 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 that he meant. As I said here on Roller Martin Unfiltered, we're going to pay tribute to Congressman Conyers every single day up until his funeral uh, because he certainly uh, deserved it. Got to go to a break. When we come back, we'll talk this weekend. Criminal justice reform form took place at Bandit College. Woo! Things got a little hot. Senator Kamala Harris turned that joint upside down. We'll explain and talk to one of the co-chairs of this bipartisan criminal justice reform uh, center. Let's find out from her what the hell happened at Bandit College. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered back in a moment. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, family, it's almost time. The holiday season is my favorite time of the year. And whether you celebrate Thanksgiving, Ramadan, Christmas, Kwanzaa, or New Year's, this is when you think about spending time with the people you love most. This is also the time to count your blessings and support those less fortunate and look at how you can have an impact on their lives. Well, I have the perfect opportunity for you to be a holiday hero and have a major impact on other families. Now, here's the deal. Right now, hundreds of thousands of Americans are sitting in jail without being convicted of a crime. Why? Because they lack the financial resources to pay their bail. Now, think about it. If you are arrested for any minor offense, you'll be taken directly to jail. And if you don't have bail money, whether it's a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, you will stay there until a court date is scheduled. That could be days, weeks, or even months. Now, America's bail system is broken and has created a two-tier system of justice, one for the rich and another for the poor. Folks, freedom should be free. And that's why the Ebony Foundation has partnered with the Bail Project and is sponsoring the Home Mother Holiday Campaign. Now, with your help, the goal is to bail out a thousand people by New Year's Day. Now, a donation from you today can change someone's life tomorrow. And this is critical because people of color represent upwards of 90% of the jail population across the country. Now, when folks stay in jail, 90% of the people with misdemeanors end up pleading guilty because they want to get out of jail. However, when bail was paid, 50% of the cases were dismissed and less than 2% received a jail sentence. Sometimes justice needs just us. To join the fight to be a holiday hero, you can donate 25, 50 bucks or more to help the Ebony Foundation bring our brothers and sisters home by the holiday. To donate, go to homebytheholiday.com. That's homebytheholiday.com. Please support them now. All right, y'all. <laughs> Let's talk about... Lord have mercy, Donald Trump. I'm, I'm going to get to the booze in a second that took place uh, at the World Series. But first off, y'all, uh, on Friday, that was this weekend, there was a forum that took place on the campus of Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina. It was the 2020 Bipartisan Justice Center. The whole goal was to talk about criminal justice reform. It was a presidential forum. Ten Democratic candidates were invited. Then Donald Trump also was invited. But things begin to change because Trump goes there and he doesn't take questions. He gives a speech. Then he gets awarded by the 2020 Justice Center, was ticked off a whole lot of people. They're trying to figure out what in the hell is going on. Senator Kamala Harris, she lit it up by saying, I ain't showing up. And then Steve Benjamin, the mayor of Columbia, 
saying, I will organize an event for her on the campus to allow all students and others to attend. And then when she protested, it caused the original sponsor to pull out and Ben the college took over the form. What in the world went on? I said, well, one of the co-chairs is Tashara Jones. She is the treasurer in St. Louis. She's also the Democratic uh, co-chair for the 2020 Bipartisan Justice Committee. Tashara, glad to have you here. First and foremost, uh, I'm trying to understand, okay, so was Donald Trump supposed to come there, speak, and take questions? Because this morning when I talked to the president of Benedict College, she said that was the original plan, but then the White House declared Friday an official White House event, which changed everything. What happened? So Dr. Roslyn Artis is definitely correct. The White House changed it to an official White House event, which means that then they took over everything, uh, who could be in the room, and everything. So once they changed it, it was out of our hands. All right. So why were they allowed to change it? Why didn't your group say, no, you are a declared candidate. These are the original rules. This is how we're going to proceed. And either you could accept those rules or not. Well, I, I'll, I'm not trying to throw any of my cohorts under the bus, but I wasn't involved in the discussions to arrange his visit. Whoa, 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 hold up. You're the co-chair. But I am the Dem- we have a Democratic co-chair right. and we have a Republican co-chair. And, and, and so I, I think of those as caucuses, right? So I, my responsibility was to make sure that we could get as many Democratic candidates there. Okay, but, but if this is a bipartisan effort, Again, I don't understand how y'all work, but this is a bipartisan effort. I would think that both sides are sitting at the table going over the plans, going over who gets there. So, for instance, uh, I was told told that that, uh, Governor Weld, Joe Walsh, and Mark Sanford were invited. Well, they've been sitting on social media. No one contacted them, and they were trying to get invited. Can you answer that? I cannot, because, again, all I was responsible for was the Democratic side. As a Democratic co-chair, I was in con- in conversation with uh, the campaigns that I could get in touch with um, to to see if they wanted to come to send them letters of invitation to confirm the details, to confirm, you know, to pass them off, to make sure, you know, what what part of the schedule, which day they were on, because we split them up between Saturday and Sunday, and that was my responsibility. So who handled the Republican stuff? So as, as far as I know, our, our other our Republican members handled the Republican side. So that's our founder, Ashley Bell. He's a Republican. Um, and, and I know that he was in close contact with the administration to try to see if the president was going to come. But here's the problem. Why was Ashley Bell even involved? Because Ashley Bell works for the administration. Well, you're going to have to ask those questions to Ashley Bell. Um, and I can't speak for, you know, the, the wins or the whys or the whats. But what I can say is that we made history this weekend. You know, we had a major presidential forum thrown by a black organization on a black college, uh, one of the number one HBCUs, right, Benedict College, um, and got and many of the students there got a chance to interact with and interview uh, the, the Democratic presidential candidates about the number one issue that's important to black people, which is criminal justice reform. But what did happen, though, of course, after Trump spoke, first of all, this award that he received, was it your group that gave him the award? Were you aware 
he was getting this award? Was that decided by both sides? Or, does, or like, how did that happen? So I unfortunately was not aware that um, that there was even a plan for an award. Um, and I didn't I didn't arrive on campus until Saturday night. All right. Um, so, because, OK, I'm OK. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just confused. I'm just being straight up. I, I, I'm I'm familiar with the group in that. Uh, I remember some stuff that in 2016 they were trying to get me to attend a particular event. But I'm really confused here. OK, so this is just sort of how how my brain works. Mm-hmm. If 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 I'm a part of a bipartisan group, then I'm thinking that the Democratic people, black people, are sitting in a room with the Republican black people and both are communicating over all of the details so we're on one page. So you're so what you're saying is that you didn't know what the Republican stuff was happening. They didn't know what was happening on the Democratic side. You don't know that an award was given. I, I, so is that how business is done on everything in this group? No, Roland, and, and you're right. You know, I, I believe that this was, you know, a, a huge um, uh, fallout of communication within our group. And, and I will take uh, responsibility for for that as well because again I didn't know I was you know I'll be totally honest with you I was at homecoming at Hampton and I started getting text messages on Saturday saying hey you know did you know Trump got an award and uh, and I didn't know so you know a lot of our membership was blindsided but you know we're also learning a lesson from this um, you know we can we can either uh, take this as a learning experience and move forward in a in a in, in, in a more organized fashion or not. And I think we're going to do we're going to do just that. We're going to make sure that we are all on the same page, that every everything is communicated, um, and that everybody is on again that everybody's on the same page with all of the details going forward. So, for instance, so one report said that only nine Benedict students were able to attend. When I talked to Dr. Artis this morning, she said there were another 30-some-odd students. She said she counted them. The room only held 267. So who were the people who were invited on Friday? So, and even that, it was a White House event. Did they determine who got invited or did your group did? No. So again, when the White House declared it an official visit, they made all of the invitations. So it was South Carolina... Uh, politicians and and their guests and White House staff and press corps. Uh, so when they take over, you know, we lose control of, of the event. Um, but there, but just like Dr. Artis said, there were more than ten or ten students in the in the auditorium. You know, it seats two hundred and sixty seven, um, and there were over thirty in attendance. What was so, so from your perspective? First, was it wrong for him? to be given an award. Two, was it wrong for this to become an official White House event? Three, was it wrong for him not to take questions? So just from my perspective, Tashara Jones, not speaking as the Democratic co-chair of 2020, so just me and you, no, I would not have given him award. I think he should have taken questions from the students. And what was your third question? The third question is, um, should they have been able to take over your event? I don't agree with that. 
um, but you know, the White House does a lot of things that I don't agree with. So, Senator, um, I think that th go ahead. This was an this was an opportunity for for students to to have one on one interaction with the president, and and that didn't happen. Senator Kamala Harris was supposed to be there on Saturday. She said that she was going to pull out of the event uh, in protest. Was going to have her own event. Then we were told that uh, that 2020 pulled out as the presenting sponsor and Bandit College took over the event. You said you got there on Saturday. Is that what happened? Uh, uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that is exactly what happened because I spoke Saturday or Sunday morning um, and also closed out the, uh, the event by giving students the instructions for the HBCU straw poll that we're conducting with all the HBCUs in South Carolina. Um, but I will say that, you know, our staff was still there interviewing the candidates. Uh, every candidate that was interviewed on Saturday and Sunday was interviewed by a 2020 member or introduced by a 2020 member. Um, and also our staff was behind the scenes um, helping with production uh, for the event. So, so it was so basically it was still a 2020 event. Uh, in conjunction with Benedict College, you know, I want to make sure that Benedict College gets its due. You know, their staff and faculty and students really showed up and, and made this event a success. But it's, but it's also, to be perfectly honest, it made Benedict look bad. Yeah. Uh, because people on social media uh, were trashing the university, were critical of the university, um, and, and, and frankly, they've had to go into damage control. Uh, initial reports said that uh, students were locked down in dormitories, forbidden to leave. And talking to President Arda, she said that it's common when you have motorcades, uh, the presidential motorcade right. coming. She said the same thing happened right. when President Obama uh, came to campus. Um, and so with all this drama around it uh, actually hurt ben Benedict. Yeah, and I would I would also say it it hurt our organization as well. Um, when the White House changed it to an official visit, um, you know, protocols changed and guest lists changed, and a whole host of things just you know were up you know just thrown up in the air, uh, and we had to adapt. Um, but I would say that Saturday and Sunday, I spoke to some students myself, spoke to some other people who attended. Uh, the students really enjoyed themselves. Um, and again, we're able to interact uh, with candidates. I was backstage with several of them as they were interviewing Elizabeth Warren and, and really giving her some hard questions. Uh, so I, I don't think that that would have, you know, we have to have these conversations about criminal justice reform and why not on an HBCU campus because it affects our kids more than anybody else. All right, then. Uh, I, would, uh, I would love to, uh, to connect with the Republican co-chair to have them on this show to explain uh, what took place. I think they have some answering to do and they, they need to do so and talk directly to black people because this was positioned as a black organization, a group of black Democrats and Republicans talking about criminal justice reform and frankly that got overshadowed as a result of what took place here. It did. It did. And that's unfortunate. But I also think that, you know, we want people to remember that, again, we made history by having this important discussion with uh, with 11, with 10 candidates and a sitting president on the campus of an HBCU. And one of those 10 candidates may well be our next sitting president. Uh, so they hopefully will remember this this visit, the time that they spent with with the students of, of, eight, of one of the number one, one of the top universities uh, in the HBCU network. All right, Tashara Jones, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Good All to right. see you. Thank you. I want to go to our panel here. Bottom line is... Um, the Democratic side, people in this group here, they got screwed. They did. And I, I, I just don't understand how you have a 
bipartisan organization that don't do stuff in a bipartisan way. No, they deal, they're, they're, it's like two different organizations under right. one umbrella dealing with parallel tracks. Benedict College got played. What you had on Friday was a Trump rally on an HBCU campus. They flew in Republicans from across the country. Uh, this Ashley person... Ashley uh, Bell, yeah. again, who, who well, used to be a Democrat, flipped to Republican. Ashley worked for the administration. So, so he's, he's a founder of the group but, when he was a Democrat. But he works for the administration. Why in the hell is he involved in the planning of this event when he works for one of the declared candidates? So, you know, basically, again, I, I, it's, it's regrettable that the college got played because it's always good to see people on an HBCU campus. But this was a Trump rally on an HBCU campus. And he did not And engage... that's what he wanted. He wanted the photo op. And yeah. Walter Kimbrough, the president of Dillard, he tweeted, he said... I won't call this a Trump visit to an HBCU unless he took questions from HBCU students. And he, and he wouldn't take questions. Students were sequestered. They were told to either go home for the weekend or stay in their dormitories. True, uh, whatever, there's a motorcade, there is some security. But young people were... Their First Amendment rights were shut down. Many of them want to protest. They were not able to do that. They were told that if they did anything, they would be subject to disciplinary action. Now, back in my day in the 70s, you could, all you had to do was tell me I was going to get disciplinary action and I'm like, okay, it's on. But um, young people these days are a lot more cautious and obviously your parents are not sending you to school to uh, get kicked out. But this, it, this was horrible, Roland. It was, I was so disappointed and just repulsed by the way that man used black people. Uh, Avis, so now we know the reports that that the sponsor pulled out was a lie. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. What happened here was that the Trump employee, who is yes. the co-founder of this uh, organization, colluded with the people in the White House to provide this uh, photo op- opportunity for him at an HBCU where he could give them this, him this award. And I'm told two uh, people were for the White House were involved. Ashley Bell and Jerron Smith. The same Jerron Smith who went on Don Lemon's show on CNN Friday night defending what took place, I'm told, by Republicans and Democrats, mm. that they were heavily involved in the planning of this entire event. Well, were the candidates... Well, well, folks on the other campaigns, were they heavily involved? That they, they flipped this whole thing. It was and supposed to, on Friday, it was supposed to be a speech and a Q&A. They turn it to a White House event knowing full well they take everything over. Absolutely. That, this was not... She found out about it at the last minute. But let me tell you, this was not a last-minute decision. Nope. Okay? It took time <laughs> You don't to move the president that. in exactly. a last-minute decision. There's an advanced teams exactly. that are involved. Exactly. This was planned from the beginning, and she got played, and I don't understand how she can trust them moving forward to doing even anything with them moving forward. I, I, just, I don't even I understand do how they have an organization. I yeah. mean, it's supposed to be a bipartisan organization. Republicans over here, Democrats over here, you're not talking. And, but, Avis, the other thing is, I mean, President Ross Artis has talked about has been very defensive, and she either she got played or she colluded. No, no, I, I don't I, think no. she was in on. I it. don't think she colluded. I, here, here's here's what I think happened. And again, in talking to her today, I think what happened here was here was an organization that says we want to hold this event on your campus. Okay, great. Just like ABC had the debate on the campus of TSU. They come to you and say, it's going to be bipartisan. We're inviting Republicans and Democrats. As the organization, you put the event on. Benedict says, no problem. We'll avail ourselves to it. We're in a state where it's going to be crucial to black voters in South Carolina. And all of a sudden, internal politics 
where they don't know what in the hell is going on here, where the Republicans are like, yo, guess what? We can flip this thing and we'll get the we'll get we'll get the photo op of Trump coming to HBCU and we'll call this thing a White House event. And guess what? No question. It's game on. Yeah. Then of course, then all of a sudden, Senator Kamala Harris blows this thing up, says, I ain't coming. And then, according to artists, the rules were changed. She said that uh, initially the, Democ the Democratic candidates agreed to, to have remarks and then a Q&A. Mm -hmm. After what Trump did on Friday, she said to me this morning on the Tom Jordan Morning Show, she said that they gave the candidates options. Do you want to solely give a speech and no questions? Or do you want six, six of the, to do the original rules, question, and Q&A? They all chose uh, uh, comments, as, uh, comments and then also uh, Q&A. But the problem, which I think Harris is right, Trump should have had to answer questions. Absolutely. Yes. He should have had to answer questions because the, he touts the First Step Act. But by asking questions, they would have been able to ask him about why is it that you are against police consent decrees? Why are you using federal prisons? Why are you sitting here uh, on one hand talking about I'm touting first criminal justice reform, but over here contributing to mass incarceration? Never getting to ask any questions because now it's a White House event. That was the game. Benedict got played. Yeah. And this is why the message to any HBCU moving forward is you, you should be involved in every, every step, of the, step way. of the way, all the planning, and you know what all the rules are, and you say, unless these things happen, no candidate will be able to step foot on this campus to avoid the photo op and getting played. Absolutely. But you know, this was, one this of the was, things... I was going to say super quickly, this was advertised as a candidate form. A presidential yeah, form. A candidate, exactly. He was not supposed to. It was not characterized that he would come near Trump to give a, to speech. Give a speech. He but was you know, supposed to be a form participant, right. just like the rest of them. The other so, thing, though, Abe... But guess what? But again, you talked about the other Republicans didn't get invited. Right. Which, say, which, which says, Ashley Bell... Jerron Smith, how and to all Republicans in this in this 2020, did y'all collude to keep the Absolutely. other Republicans out? Absolutely. And, and of they course did. they did. But the other thing, Avis, you said earlier, this is you don't move a president around, it's not last minute. No. So I do believe I mean the, Benedict College has a security force. Uh, they have uh, people who do logistics. This was not a surprise. And I, I, I remember, he was still coming. So first of all, the logistics side, he was still coming. What changed is that so you had, this, you had the same advanced team, same security, whether he was in a form or giving a speech. The difference by making it in the White House form is that they began to invite the other outside people. Right. That's the difference. And so, still, if, if, I'm, if I'm Benedict, I'm sitting here going, now, now, if I'm Benedict, like, when all of a sudden this is a White House event, to now, now, at that point, at that point, if I'm Benedict, I go, oh, no, 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 no. You ain't changing the rules. Mm -hmm. This is this will either be a form or there will not be a speech. The only problem with that, Roland, um, speaking from my former perch as an HBCU president, is that how does it look to say the president of the United States cannot come? There you go. She's got Democrats there and you go. Republicans on her. So she's staff. so she's, she's got... caught between a rock and a hard yeah. place. Mm -hmm. But again, moving forward to any HBCU, especially dealing with this liar. Yes. Yeah. You better say to anybody. We gonna be involved in this thing or not? Now I gotta go to break. When we come back. I gotta talk, talk to Lamont Rucker about a couple of things because I was gonna move him later in the show. But I am gonna deal with Donald Trump and some comments that he made today to the police chiefs uh, in Chicago. Some foul and pathetic comments. We'll also talk about Kirk Franklin, who is calling for a boycott of TBN and the Dove Awards <coughs> for editing out 
his social justice comments. Wait until you hear what the Dove Awards and TBN did to Kirk Franklin for the second time in three years. That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. Second annual Life Low Jazz Experience in Cabo, November 7th through the 11th. I will be there broadcasting Roller Martin Unfiltered there on that Thursday and Friday. Uh, if you want to participate, if you want to come out, it's going to be a grand time. 14 amazing acts. Go to lifeluxjazz.com. But if you cannot make it, you can still check out the live stream. You can have a guest pass, folks, $10.99, to watch all of the concerts over the course of three days. I'm talking about some amazing artists. Now, of course, my frat brother, Jill Albright. Of course, we had Kirk Whalem on the show last week. He's going to be there as well. Some of the other people who are going to be in the house, actor, comedian, Mark Curry. Oh, my goodness. Donnie McClurkin, Alex Bunyan, Raul Madon, Incognito, Pieces of a Dream, Average White Band, Shalea, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, Ernest Quarles. Man, it's going to be jam-packed. If you want to get the live stream, go to GFNTV.com. That's GFNTV.com. GFNTV.com. You can watch all three days, live stream, all the concerts right here on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, just for the cost of $10.99. So we certainly want you to do that, and we look forward to the Life Lux Jazz experience there in Cabo. All right, folks, in a couple of days, the National Civil Rights Museum, the Lorraine Motel, will host its 28th Annual Freedom Awards in Lamont Rucker. Of course, one of the stars on Greenleaf will serve as the ceremony host. Lamont joins us right now via FaceTime. Lamont, uh, first and foremost, uh, this is a huge event. John Legend is one of the people uh, who are going to be honored uh, this year. Lamont, you heard me? I can hear you, man. How All you right. doing? Doing great. John Legend is one of the people who have been honored this year. Yes, it is. Yes, he is. Yeah, excited. Going to be excited to be in the house with him again, man. Uh, of course, last year I did the red carpet of the event last year. Can't make it this year because I got to be in New York for uh, an event. But, uh, but this is great because uh, what the museum does is certainly honor folks who, who are focused on civil rights and human rights. Absolutely. So it's, it's always an honor to be um, not just back in Memphis, but in particular to do anything that advocates for the National Civil Rights Museum. So this is my second opportunity over the last uh, several years to, uh, to represent um, for them and to come on board as, a, as the master of ceremonies. And um, so we've got a, 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 a great group of honorees um, and uh, in addition to John Legend. So, um, you know, looking forward to a great event. And uh, like I said, honored as always to be, to be here in Memphis and to... Uh, to be the master of ceremonies. Well, a lot, well, a lot of people don't realize people people think of this museum as being a Memphis museum, but it's an it's the actual National Civil Rights That's Museum. Right. That's right, and it, it brings people in not just from across the country, from all over the world. You know, when I stopped by again this afternoon, um, we were uh, with several people from 
a, a number of different countries. So uh, it stays busy all year round. And there's people who understand not only the importance of Dr. King's legacy, but again, just the global uh, value of um, of the fight for equality, justice, and uh, and human rights. You know, uh, everywhere. So it's real cool that uh, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, um, although maybe not always for the most um, joyous reasons, but this is a legendary city with an incredible legacy. And uh, although Dr. King spent his uh, you know final moments here, it's actually been a source of inspiration for for uh, people all over the globe. So it's incredible to turn something that might be sour into something that uh, resonates everywhere. All right then, well, Lamont, we look forward to it. And last year, we, of course, we streamed, uh, the ceremony took place, but over the weekend, we actually streamed the whole ceremony and we look forward to doing it again on Roland Martin Unfiltered. So good luck with it. Tell everybody at the museum, I said hello, and hopefully I'll see him in 2020. You got it, all right? All Always right. good to talk to you, brother. All right, brother, thank you so very, very much. Thanks a lot. My man. All right, folks. I uh, got to go to a quick break. When we come back. We'll talk about crazy Trump in Chicago, trashing the city. He said it was it was it was worse than Afghanistan. So how easy it was for your ass to fly in and out? This is Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Oh, yeah, over the weekend, the Houston Astros played the Washington Nationals, beat them in three straight games, took a 3-2 to lead. But uh, and last night, of course, was game five. Yeah, you know I had to say that. Yeah, I you just that. had to say that. I, I did. That's I mean, why I, it's not mandatory, Roland. I know. That's why I wore the Astros a World Be Series. Be a gracious that, winner. That's why I wore the Astros uh, <laughs> uh, repli replica ring. Uh, zoom in on that, please. Yeah, I know. Good. Henry's a Nationals fan, uh, but he's a bandwagon one because he didn't see any gear now. See, Henry only wears Nationals stuff when they're winning. Uh, they're losing, oh, so this here is the uh, floating rolling. Yeah, this here is the. Uh, <laughs> as the furthest it goes in, uh, this is the uh, Houston Astros, the replica of their 2017 World Series ring. Uh, looks great, doesn't it? And so the Astros <laughs> sent that. Astros sent that to me, and so I just wanted y'all to see that. Huh. But anyway, uh, at the uh, World Series, uh, when they showed images on the big screen uh, of the military, people cheered. Then this happened. <laughs> Well, seems that uh, uh, Mika and Joe over at MSNBC were none too happy with that, saying that was just not right, how they're being treated, the respect for the office of the president, including Democratic uh, Senator Chris Coons said the same thing. And I keep oh, saying, please. I'm sorry, uh, the day he decides to respect the office is when I will respect the office there you again. Go. I said that in 2017 on ABC This Week, saying I will not call him president because he doesn't act like a president, uh, and he acts like a petulant, narcissistic child. Uh, school and, a schoolyard bully. Right, and what and what you saw were people uh, expressing their viewpoint, and I was glad that they did, and so I don't give a damn. He should be beat because he is shameful, pathetic. He's a grifter. He absolutely, he has turned 
the Oval Office into a cash register for his family. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, literally, Ivanka got all those patents in China. He's opening ho hotels all over the world. Um, his kids travel with Secret Service protection to advance their business interests. Now, if they were right when they were doing their business work, not their pol political work, they, we would, the gov government would be reimbursed. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do that. Um, ha having Pence fly across Scotland, all the way across Scotland, 200-some miles, so he can stay at his uh, resort. This, like he's, grifter is the best word to put con artists. There are just so many other words to use. Avis? Well, you know, I was happy to hear that. Because, uh, as was mentioned, I mean, he deserves it. He, he has well-earned that rebuke. But what I find interesting is that I'm sure he was shocked. I mean, it, I was thought it was really funny to see the shift on his face <laughs> when the crowd went from cheering for the military to booing him, and then the shock, I'm sure, that he must have felt when he heard the chant coming back right at him that he started in the last election. But this time... Taylor yeah, lock her him, up, now it's lock now him it's up. Now lock him up. And what I think is very interesting here is just like he did in Benedict, he is used to creating his own audiences. He's used to um, sort of uh, surrounding himself in the White House by yes men and yes women. He's used to going to all these campaign rallies where basically you have a whole cult members that are there only. And so he's not used to being out with the public to really see how he's, how he's really um, perceived. And so I think that action really was a reality check that he needed. And in honor of the Nats, I'm wearing their color today because I'm like, hey, they did the right thing and I'm proud of them for doing it. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, well you it's know... Sure, it's sure because they ain't winning. <laughs> okay, Roland. <laughs> no, Roland, Roland is like a sore winner. No, 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 no. Losers, no, but no, no. Roland Let is me a real sore clear. Huggy Lowdown and Chris <laughs> Paul were talking ignorant, mad trash on the Times Journal <laughs> Morning Show when they went up 2-0. And I said, you might want to think twice. And this morning, Huggy couldn't say nothing. Even hung up his phone on his own segment because I was killing him. It could have dropped. All I'm saying, <laughs> all I'm saying is, if you're going to talk... Now, his call didn't drop. You like, don't know that. He was subdued. He was in a state of depression. Oh, come and on. And I trolled the hell out of him on Instagram. Uh, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Let me. I, I'm going to play it at the end of the show. I ain't going to play it right now. But, oh, I hit him with something. But the Nats fans was represented last night. Yeah, they night did. With the oh, that's with right. The signs, I, with the veterans you, for you, impeachment. You sure they were that's, that's why I was loving was the veterans for impeachment. Right. Yeah. Sure I, mean, I thought they were born losing 8-1. to one. But you're right. Oh, they were born Trump. All right, y'all. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of the orange one, uh, this fool spoke to the International Association of Police Chiefs today uh, in Chicago. And all he did was trash the Windy City. But there is one person that's not here today. We're in Chicago. I said, where is he? I want to talk to him. In fact, more than anyone else, this person should be here because maybe he could learn something. And that's the superintendent of Chicago Police, Eddie Johnson. A few days ago, Johnson said, quote, the values of the people of Chicago are more important than anything President Trump would have to say. I don't think so. Because that's a very insulting statement. After all I've done for the police, and I've done more than any other president's ever done for the police.
Over a hundred years we can prove it, but probably from the beginning. And here's a man that could not bother to show up for a meeting of police chiefs, most respected people in the country, in his hometown, and with the President of the United States. And you know why? It's because he's not doing his job. Last year, 565 people were murdered in Chicago. Since Eddie Johnson has been police chief, more than 1,500 people have been murdered in Chicago, and 13,067 people have been shot. During the first weekend of August 2019, seven people were murdered, and 52 were wounded in 32 shootings in Chicago. And recently, they had 78 shootings over a weekend spree, and three people killed. And Chicago has the toughest gun laws in the United States. That doesn't seem to be working too well, does it? And a lot of you people know exactly what I mean. But under Johnson's leadership, they certainly don't protect people. Then you have the case of this wise guy, Jesse Smollett, who beat up himself. And he said, MAGA country did it. MAGA country. Okay? He said, MAGA, that's a hate crime. That's a hate crime. And it's a scam. It's a real big scam, just like the impeachment of your president is a scam. And then you look what's going on. Smollett is still trying to get away with it. He would have been better off if he paid his $100,000 bill. Chicago is, unfortunately, the worst sanctuary city in America. Chicago protects criminals at a level few could even imagine. Last year, in Cook County alone, ICE asked local law enforcement people to please, pretty please, we beg you, we'll do anything necessary to stop crime. We want to stop crime. Please detain 1,000. 162 people, please. But in each case, the detainer was denied. And Eddie Johnson wants to talk about values. No. People like Johnson put criminals and illegal aliens before the citizens of Chicago. And those are his values. And frankly, those values to me are a disgrace. I will never put the needs of illegal criminals before I put the needs of law-abiding citizens. It's very simple to me. So when Eddie Johnson and many other people from lots of other regions and areas, support sanctuary cities. It's really, in my opinion, a betrayal of their oath to the shield and a violation of his duty to serve and to protect.
the courageous police officers of Chicago, and I know some of them, and they're the most incredible people. They could solve this problem quickly. It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world they're talking about Chicago. Afghanistan is a safe place by comparison. It's true. Police officers of Chicago are entitled to a police superintendent who has their backs and knows what he's doing. You're entitled to a police superintendent who sides with you. With the people of Chicago, the people want this. And with the families of Chicago, not the criminals and the gang members that are here illegally, and not the stupid politicians that have no idea what the hell they're doing. Now, Donald Trump also spoke about consent decrees. Here's what he said. Administration has also curtailed the harmful and intrusive use of federal consent decrees, which wrongly give meddlesome officials in Washington, D.C., immense authority to tie down local police departments and make it very difficult to do their work. No longer will federal bureaucrats micromanage your local police. And we will work with, upon request, local police to help them, not to hinder them. And we're waiting for a call from Chicago, because there's no place that we would rather help than Chicago. Now, those of you who are watching may say, man, why don't you play all of that? I didn't play those comments so you could hear what Trump had to say. Julian, I played it so they can hear the applause. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. At the police chiefs. Mm-hmm. Other than guys like Art Acevedo, who's a police chief of Houston, and a few others, these police chiefs are largely white men who are walking in lockstep with Donald Trump. And when he talked about consent decrees, that was the first thing Jeff Sessions did when he came in, mm -hmm. tried to get out of the consent decree in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Then, this SOB has the nerve to talk about the police chief in, in Chicago, but guess what they tried to do? Get out of the consent decree of those same cops in Chicago. Mm -hmm. He wants thuggish cops. He wants cops but he said that, that brutalize yeah. people. Yeah. He wants cops who have no accountability. And these police chiefs are like, that's our guy, because we can we want to do, do whatever we want with impunity. And you know, he said this during the campaign. There was uh, I remember there was a, somebody, he said that he wished the police had had basically jacked them worse. I right. forgot the exact yeah. quote, but he said, I wish they, they were jacked. He said, I wish they had jacked them worse. He has been baiting the whole time, you know, at the criminal justice reform thing in Benedict, one of the things that we must know, this man has never apologized for his attack on a Central, right five, Central Park Five. He has never apologized for that, uh, even though they've been exonerated, walked away with millions of dollars, correctly so, never, never apologized. So he has decided law and disorder is basically the name of the game, that these police chiefs have no accountability, which means their police forces have no That's accountability, right. which means that when a man goes and shoots some Somebody playing uh, video games through their window. You know, it takes a minute for them. Now, they, they did the right thing by firing him, but it took a minute. When, uh, there, there are just so many cases. One we were to talk about, San Bernardino, man puts his hands up, and they shoot him anyway. So, we, you know, these police chiefs have been running roughshod 
over citizens. And for him to stand there and attack the black man who is the police chief in Chicago is absurd, but also lets you know who he is, what he is, and what he's all about. And, Roland, you were very kind to call him an SOB. I mean, we could go a little lower. No, I, I just... I mean, I... Look, first of all, the problem I had with... Why did I say that? That's what he called NFL players. Mm-hmm. See, this is where me and me, me, Mika and Joe don't agree. See, and also Michelle Obama. See, Mika in her little, uh, Instagram post tried to invoke Michelle Obama by saying, you know, as Michelle Obama said, when they go low, we go high. No. They go low, they hit you below the belt, I'm hit your ass in your ankles. Because I'm sorry, the way you deal with a bully is you punch Absolutely. a bully back. Absolutely. This man wants no accountability. He has no issues he, with, with how police are acting. He never speaks against them. And he wants these rogue cops roaming the streets, doing whatever they want. And we tell that story, oh, we can quickly solve what's happening in Chicago. Oh, Chicago has tough gun laws. But he won't deal with the fact that Indiana, the line is like right across the street, and most of the guns are coming from Indiana, Mike Pence's state, where he used to be governor. Well, he's very selective in terms of his um, ability to be in favor of law enforcement. Because if you look at what he does and what he did here, he's very much in favor of law enforcement that is a, about using brutal force against black people. But when you look at our intelligence agencies, who are seeking to enforce the law against him and his lawlessness. He has absolutely nothing good to say about law enforcement. So I find it very interesting that he only appears to be um, praised and praising those Klan-like elements of law enforcement that really focus their efforts on brutalizing black people. But when we talk about our intelligence agencies, when we talk about those people who have spent their careers protecting this country from illegal actions, and they found him caught up in a web of activity that they found in terms of legal... And it's not just them. Right. We had that Senate bipartisan commission come, come out and say that there was proof that they also agreed that uh, Russia was involved with the previous election. So he has nothing good to say about law enforcement when it comes to his illegal activity. But when it comes to people who are sitting there spending their careers abusing black folks, he has everything good to say. And, and here's what's laughable Afghanistan. First of all, if he flew to Afghanistan, he couldn't say it in advance. It would have to be... It would, it would be radio silence, kept quiet, uh, out of fear of the terrorists knowing. Mr. But everybody knew he was flying into Chicago. Absolutely. So to sit here and act as, oh, Chicago is, is, Afghanistan is not as bad as Chicago. Mr. Bonespurs does not have the guts to go to Afghanistan. So let's just or, be very or, or any place Or any place else where there's danger. I right. mean, if you look at basically his record before he became president, he was a wuss and a punk, basically, and he's still a wuss and a punk. Like, yeah. like, like when he skipped out on that rally in Chicago when the bros showed up. But, you know, <laughs> the thing about this, Roland, he has adhered to his assertion <clears throat> that he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with yep. it. Now what we know is that he can meddle with the Ukraine and uh, ask for quid pro quo and right. get away with it, that he can uh, meddle... Uh, basically closing aspects of federal agencies and get away with it, that he can defy Congress and get away with it, that they can subpoena people and he tells them don't show up. So he basically... who And, and, and let's be clear about what this is about. Republicans have given him a pass. They've said... They know what the know. law is. They're I believe, him a pass. I believe... No, no, they're not giving him a pass. They've said 
And no, we're going to give you the pass. And, uh, well, I yeah. believe they Do are getting... You want. They, I believe they're all getting help from foreign actors, not just Donald Trump. I believe that the, 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 the Russians and perhaps other foreign countries are... Put, and we saw, we saw proof. The Ukrainians that were just, um, that were just arrested, you had several Republican congressmen and the governor of Florida come out and say, that we need to give money back that they just gave mm -hmm. us. Yep. So they are buying all, off the entire GOP. What we're seeing right now is someone who is incapable of playing fair. He only <laughs> knows how to win if he can tilt the situation. And that's exactly what he's tr trying to do now with the election. And that's exactly why he is at every given chance berating law enforcement that is investigating him because he knows that he doesn't have control over that situation and he knows that he is involved with illegal activity. All right, y'all. All right. I'm going to go to a quick break. When I come back, I know I'm going long today, but man, we just had way too much stuff. This is about to blow y'all away. Gospel star Kirk Franklin is boycotting the Trinity Broadcasting Network, the largest Christian broadcast network in the world, as well as the Dove Awards. I'm explain next and why we're gonna join him. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, now many of us know Kirk Franklin as one of the top gospel artists uh, in history. Uh, folks, not somebody who's very controversial in terms of a brother uh, who focuses on his music, but my man from Fort Worth, Texas, is not happy. Y'all, he posted this today on his Instagram account. Folks were blown away by what he had to say. And if you want to understand how white Christians mm -hmm. feel about social justice that impacts black people, listen to what they did to Kirk Franklin. Today, I feel like quitting. I am heartbroken that I even have to share this with you. In 2016, I was blessed to win an award for best gospel artist at the Dove Awards. Many of you may not know the Dove Awards in comparison are the Christian Grammys, like the Stella Awards or the Gospel Grammys. For so long, the terms Christian and Gospel for many are code words for white and black, which history may teach us was a setup for this unfortunate place we find ourselves in today. During that award speech, I felt the responsibility as a Christian and a man of color to address the civil unrest at that time that was plaguing our country with the killings of Philando Castile and Walter Scott, just to name a few, by white police officers. And at the same time, the horrific killings of five Dallas police officers by an African-American. I called upon the audience to join me in remembering that as Christians, when we say nothing, we're saying something. After a standing ovation, we prayed and stood in unity for all the families affected by those tragedies. We all felt that moment that it was a shift in the climate of our separate worlds. Unfortunately, when that speech aired on the Christian Network TBN, that part of my speech was edited out. 
I made my disappointment and frustration known to the Double Wards Committee and to the Trinity Broadcasting Network. I never heard from TBN, and the Double Ward Committee promised to rectify the mistake so that it wouldn't happen again. In 2019, history repeated itself. I was humbled to win the same award, and during my speech, I brought attention to the murder of a Tatiana Jefferson in her home by a white police officer. I asked everyone in the audience and those viewing to join me in prayer for not only a Tatiana's family, including her eight-year-old nephew who witnessed the killing, but also for the family of the police officer. Last week, during the airing of the awards on the same network again, that part of my speech was edited out. So now, after a meeting with the Double Wards Committee and representatives of TBN, I've made the decision after prayer, consultation with my team, and my pastor, Dr. Tony Evans, to not attend any events affiliated with or for the Double Wards, Gospel Music Association, or TBN until tangible plans are put in place to protect and champion diversity, especially where people of color have contributed their gifts, talents, and finances to help build the viability of these institutions. I am aware that the word boycott often has a negative connotation and finality to it, but my goal will forever be reconciliation as well as accountability. It is important for those in charge to be informed. Not only did they edit my speech, they edited the African-American experience. I'm not asking those in the gospel community to follow my decision. No, this is my personal choice to take a stand and hold responsible those in positions of power to acknowledge the issues in our separate communities that have existed from colonialism to Jim Crow. To many of the issues facing us today, I pray there will be a significant change from this hurtful experience. I look with anticipation for that day of healing and I'm committed to contributing to that process. In the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And I know Kirk Franklin is saying it's just him, but I dare say any black preacher, any black evangelist, and any black artist who goes on the TV, who goes on TBN should tell them I will never come on again until you apologize to Kirk Franklin, until you fix this and remedy what took place. He should not be standing alone. This is pathetic. Mm -hmm. The fact that a Christian man who is from Fort Worth, Texas, spoke about the shooting death of Atiana Jefferson. Today is the day of rage. People all across the country are highlighting her case and they have the audacity to cut it out. You know why? Because at the Dove Awards and TBN, they are white, conservative mm -hmm. evangelicals who are more in line with Donald Trump mm -hmm. and these MAGA people who don't want to criticize these white police officers, who don't want to speak against police brutality, who love talking about their being pro-life, but say nothing about the life of Artiana Jefferson, nothing about the life of Rakia Boyd, nothing about the life of, of, of Ayanna Jones and numerous other African-Americans who are killed. They say nothing. Mm -hmm. And then have the audacity to edit the man's comments out? 
You know, Oral, look, all I have to say is uh, that was a powerful statement he made. It reminded me of Dr. King's letter from the Birmingham jail. Mm -hmm. He really talked about the as he said, the silence. white clergy. Who stood by and watched uh, Dr. King be jailed, watched him be beaten and the others be beaten, and was silent. They talk about Christianity, but Christian, do unto others as you would have, have done unto you. So they want to get their behinds beat by policemen? Or shot, had their kids shot through a window by policemen? You know, that what you do for the least of these, you do for me? I mean, these, these people are not Christian. They, they, they basically wrap themselves around a Bible, wrap a Bible around themselves, and sin, everything they do is a sin. Because basically, they are attacking life. As you said, life. You can't say you're pro-life and watch people be shot. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's just be very real about who we're talking about here. Uh, these white evangelicals have historically and to this day preferenced race over what they claim they believe in terms of their religion. Uh, if you look even at what they're saying today, even beyond this issue, mm -hmm. there's been lots of research that shows that they think that they preference, for example, their support for Trump over any of their Christian values. I mean, when you think about what he has done and what he continues to do in his life, to sit there and praise him and raise him up like this shows you who they are. And, uh, you know, it makes me believe that, for example, switch people. I believe that if uh, Kanye West had been there spouting his ridiculousness, uh, no, what please. he had to say would not have been edited at all. No, not but at because all. you have an artist who has a black consciousness, who is willing and brave enough to talk about a black experience, that is not something that they want to allow in that lily white space. And so when you look about look at the history of evangelicalism and how they specifically pushed out black people, this to me is quite in line with who they are. And just like the brilliant Dr. Maya Angelou said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. But you know, people in the black Christian community who've been on this network, who've been to these, they need who to follow. Who are currently on the network. They need to follow Kurt Franklin because basically what they have become for these people is a profit center. Absolutely. They are a profit center. And they're being played if they believe that these people care about them. They are being exploited, but perhaps they don't care because they need the visibility. Why don't all these churches get together and start their own dirt network as yes. opposed to basically sitting at Mass's feet um, asking Massa for crumbs. And that's literally what they're doing. I, I admire what Kurt Franklin said, but I, but I would be much more buoyed by his statement if we saw a thousand ministers say, yeah. I'm there too. If, you, if we saw the Christian community, I can go watch that mess. Right, and, 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 and they need to publicly. But see, here's the other piece. Not just black preachers. Go to my iPad. Uh, I'm looking here. These are feature programs on TBN. I dare say that Beth Moore should say, until you apologize to Kirk Franklin change, pull my program. Mm -hmm. Joyce Myers, same oh, yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Pull my program. I'm looking on here, Bishop T.D. Jakes, pull my program. I see something down here called C.C. Winer, let them fall in love. C.C., pull your program. Charles Stanley, Pull your program. We know Franklin Graham ain't gonna pull a damn thing because he don't care about black folks. Mm -mm. But I'm saying, Dr. Tony Evans, a Dallas, pull your program uh, from them. Ed Young out of Houston, we know you ain't gonna do nothing because you had that foul crap you had to say about, uh, of course, Roy Moore supporting him in Alabama. We know you're not gonna say nothing at Second <laughs> Baptist Church in Houston. Oh, yeah. 
You didn't think I know that, huh? Uh, yeah, let's see who else is on here. Uh, Greg Lowry, pull your program. We know Mike Huckabee ain't gonna do a damn thing because mm. he agrees with that crap. But I'm reading some of these folks uh, here uh, who have shows uh, on TBN. John Gray, pull your program mm -hmm. uh, from there. Joel Osteen, pull your program from there as well. Kenneth Copeland, all you care about is money, so we know you ain't pulling jack. So you, you, you want to keep getting that money. But as I go down here, all these folks, if you are white and you supposedly care about social justice, you should tell TBN and the Double Wars that they are dead wrong. And so I'm going to tell you right now, we're we going to stand with Kurt. We're going to keep this pressure on. And what we're going to do is we're going to call each one of these folks and ask them, are they going to stand with TBN and the Double Wars or are they going to stand with Kurt Franklin? And that's going to determine whether or not you actually care about the black experience, that you care about social justice. And so this is not, let me be real clear, y'all, because we also covered that crap uh, with the word network when Kevin Adele was joking around with uh, George Bloomer. And Kevin Adele, I got his number, I text him, and he didn't respond to me. But the fact of the matter is, is here. Same thing. We call you out, Kevin Adele, at the word network. And the black preachers on the word network who are still silent, should be saying something to him by saying, until you apologize to George Bloomer for your actions as well. Y'all, we don't need these people to spread the gospel. We don't need to be on TBN and the Word Network. We sure as hell gonna hold them accountable. Dove Awards, y'all too as well. And so, Kirk Franklin, I've already called Kirk. I sent him a text saying we stand with you and other artists should come out and support Kirk Franklin because to edit out that man's comments is beyond shameful. He was speaking about a Christian woman shot and killed by a cop in Fort Worth. Hmm. You had the nerve to say that that wasn't good. Y'all the same ones on your programs talk about Christians being persecuted in other countries. Oh, if a Muslim was persecuting somebody, oh yeah, y'all be all over it. But you don't give a damn about black folks being persecuted and killed in the United States. Kirk is right, they're wrong, and we're gonna hold them accountable. All right, folks, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. I know we went long, uh, but that's what we do. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be broadcasting from Indianapolis uh, where Stewart Speakers, they have their annual event, the State of Black America conversation. I look forward to moderating that conversation. And so, Indianapolis, I will see you tomorrow. And then, of course, when that program is over, we'll get out of there real quick. So I can go watch my Astros be the Nationals in Game 6 taking hey, place okay. at Houston's Minute Maid Park. Please. And hey. so, look, y'all had a nice run, but it's about to come to an end, Avis. Uh, it's don't about know to that. come to an end. You don't know that. You better pray. Okay, <laughs> because you better pray. And, uh, yeah. And because of what happened the last three games, trust me, you'll never see Henry wearing a Nationals hat. He a bandwagoner. See, he jump on when they winning. Boy, but he's scared like a cockroach when the lights come on oh when goodness. they lose. Rolling All right, y'all. You're wrong. Oh, I, I ain't wrong. In fact, I was going to show this. Hold on one oh, second. No. I was going to show this here. Let me go ahead and uh, do I have it on this phone right here? I got to go ahead and show y'all this here. Because, see, l last night, I'm going to show y'all the short version. Because, uh, uh, you know, uh, Huggy Lowdown was talking oh, no. a whole <laughs> lot of trash. Oh, and when I say a whole lot of trash, I mean a whole lot of trash on Tom Joyner last week. And so I had to uh, do something special 
uh, for Huggy. You know, I'm just going to play it from this phone right here. Let me go ahead and play it. Uh, and so last night I was watching a game and I said, you know what? I ought to go ahead and do something special for my man Huggy. Uh, and so, uh, y'all, I put this together for my boy. Uh, play it, please. <laughs> Are big and bright deep in the heart of Texas. The prairie sky is wide and high deep in the heart of Texas. The okay, so then I, 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 I'll do a short <laughs> version. This was later in the video, y'all. Go to it. Oh my god! He's rubbing <laughs> Deep in the heart of Texas, the cactus plant for telephone pants. Deep in the heart of Texas, that's why perhaps they all wear shafts. Deep in the heart of Texas. Jimmy Blanket. Here comes. All I'm saying. Huggy, Chris, Mignon Clyburn. Doug Sloan, Tom Joyner, all you national fans, don't mess with Texas. Okay, last one. So to this morning, I, I, I worked out, you know what? I know how they feel about go-go music in D.C. So Huggy Lowdown, this also for you. Y'all got the audio? Hey, Huggins! This was the Astros last night against your Nationals. Busted loose. Hey, hey, all I'm saying is, if you're going to... I told... I warned them last week. <laughs> don't go there. I'm going to get you back. <laughs> and I got them back. Game six tomorrow night in Houston. Y'all better win now. I got to go. Yeah, right, it, it don't now, matter. Because so guess much. what? They, they, they can't troll that good. No, I'll tell you they what. They can't troll that good. You talked a whole lot of dookie they, today. They can't troll that <laughs> you good. You have talked a whole lot of dookie. They can't troll that good. You better pray good. that they win, because otherwise, we're going to get you. I got, I got the you. socks. I got the <laughs> socks. We good. It's all good. All right, I got to go. Holla! <laughs>
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.